Hello, this is Raz and welcome to the Razcast. Uh, what is this? This is basically just some armchair thing where I talk to people I know, creatives, friends, and just talk about life and what's going on, honestly, and who they are. Um, on this first episode, I have Rob, who's a really good friend of mine, um, and I think you guys are going to enjoy it. So this is just the first part. And uh, remember to subscribe. All right. Hello, my name is Raz. And on this episode, one of the first episodes, this is actually the first interview, uh, is with Rob Woodry, who is my, one of my fev- fellow podcasters on Hardcoded Curiosity. What's up, Rob? Hey, how's it going, man? It feels like it's been a while since we had our last recording session. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Very sporadic, honestly. Very sporadic. Hey, but we're making a lot of progress. Oh, man. Oh, I've got this dog that just came in. He's a beautiful nice. pup. He surprised me. Yeah, nah. We've we've been making progress, you know. We're, we, we have episodes out. Like, if you look at, I'm looking at, like, the numbers, I'm like, oh, nice. We have, like, maybe three people who listen to us. Great. <laughs> well, that's awesome. That's awesome. Exactly. Three people. That's all we need. That's progress. That's progress. You know, but exponentially grows by the end of this year, we'll have like double digits, which is exciting. That's all I need. I just need double digit numbers for all, for everything. Mm-hmm. So um, just so that people know a little bit about you, I know that you work in, you currently are in California and you work in a VR lab, but if you wouldn't mind telling the listeners slash whatever these things are anymore, who <laughs> you are, things. where you're from, those things, what you do. Yeah, no problem. My name is Rob. I work as a lab manager at University of California, Irvine, and I work in the Spatial Neuroscience Lab under the Department of Neurobiology and Behavior. And what our lab really focuses on is we use virtual reality and neuroimaging to look at how humans sort of understand space, uh, kind of like navigating through a maze and how they understand where they are, where to go. This also involves components of decision-making, attention, learning. We look a lot at the hippocampus, which is where memory it really is consolidated. So it's a lot of cool stuff like that. And the tools that we use, like I mentioned, virtual reality and functional neuroimaging is, 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 a, is a blast to use. So that's what I do there. But it's more of a stepping stone for what I want to do because I want to go off and get a PhD in neuroscience. And this is giving me a nice little opportunity to increase my skills to do that uh, because I don't really want to go into spatial neuroscience for the rest of my life. I think it's really cool and VR is great, but I'm more focused on artificial intelligence and neural networks and how the brain sort of speaks to each other. But that's where I am in work and everything and future career goals. But uh, I think you asked about where I'm from. Is that correct? Yeah. Cause like, so for people who don't know, basically me and Robbie ended up going to the same college, uh, Loyola and mm-hmm. We the way we actually met was via uh, another mutual friend who ended up being our mentor, but he our wasn't the greatest mentor. <laughs> yeah, he wasn't the greatest mentor. He basically texted us and was like, "Yo, go meet this person," and we were like, "Okay." Yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh yeah, I remember that. That was hilarious. Yeah, not not uh, a great mentor at all. He <laughs> we ended up living with him too. That was funny. Yeah, and then later, me and uh, Rob ended up being roommates during junior and uh, senior year. But it was a crazy experience. But before then, I actually didn't know Rob, basically, in high school or anything like that. So, yeah, nah, if you want to 
say about those times because I always hear these random things here and there of like, oh, remember this time we went take this this taekwondo oh, class yeah. or we went do this thing or there was this giant fight and I'm like, what did these kids go through, man? <laughs> yeah, like because Oreo is the other member of Hardcoded Curiosity and mm-hmm. another member of our old house. And yeah, we do. I guess we do break into that sometimes. But uh, I've known Oreo since sixth grade and we grew up in Miami. But yes, I was born and raised in Miami, which is a crazy place to grow up because it's Miami. But also it's one of the only places in the U.S. that you can visit and feel like you're visiting a different country because pretty much everyone there speaks Spanish. And you can't really do anything unless you speak Spanish because of how just the culture and the community is like when you go to grocery stores, they speak to you in Spanish. When you go to restaurants, they speak to you in Spanish because like 80% of the population or something like that are Spanish speakers. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I mean, I'm myself uh, mixed. I am Cuban and American literally. So mm-hmm. my name comes from my father, but my mother is Cuban. So because of that, I have mixed blood and I was raised speaking English and Spanish so that was a cool thing to kind of grow up in. It's a, it's a very, very, it's its own culture for sure. And I just wanted to get out of there, you know, because it's, it's a little toxic and it is very, you know, nuclear in that most people don't really leave Miami. So to leave Miami and actually go out into the world is, uh, it's actually quite an accomplishment. So I'm glad Oreo and I got to do that. Especially going to New Orleans. I mean, come on, that was that's awesome. New Orleans <laughs> is a great place. It's not a great place to live. I mean, <laughs> like, like to live there, it's like we dealt with so many like infrastructure problems. I mean, you should remember like every month was a boiled water advisory and like flooding and all that stuff, all that fun stuff. I mean, you've lived there your whole uh, life. Yeah, so <laughs> it's not like I know. currently live there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, but I mean, it was a it was a great growing up experience to meet many different kinds of people and experience a new different culture. And now I'm in California. So, you know, that's a whole nother one. Westward. Yeah. Maybe I'll just end up in like Thailand or something. I was going to say, know. if you keep going, you're going to end up in the great East. Yeah. So besides that, I know that you like comic books and yes. And, and video games and music and those things. So we have some have some questions regarding those things. Ooh, questions. Excellent. So first off, I'm going to hit you with a tough one. And this is going to be a tough mm-hmm. one, I feel, for you because this includes your two favorite series. Okay. So which is better, Sandman or Hellblazer? And for people who Ooh. don't know, uh, can you just give you a little bit of history on what both of those are? Because I know you were way more both oh, those than either me. Okay. But so, then also, uh, which one and why this is a tough question for you, obviously. <laughs> yes, it's a very tough question. To preface this, though, I will say that I have read Hellblazer in full. I have not read Sandman in full. I've read like three volumes of Sandman. Okay. But I love both of those graphic novel series. They're both done from Vertigo, which is DC's, which used to be DC's subsidiary for like the darker comic content which has more curse words more blood more dark topics that is you know it's basically like game of thrones in comic form Mm -hmm. and hellblazer deals with like the supernatural you know sandman too but sandman is very supernatural it's very magical mystical it's written by neil gaiman in its entirety who's a prolific author you know he did Coraline, neverwhere american gods all that stuff and good omens but uh, Hellblazer, in contrast, was done by many different authors over a span of like 10 or 15 years. And it covers like l- low supernatural, like almost mm. like low fantasy. But the supernatural parts aren't very uh, 
transparent. You know, they don't really, he doesn't run around like, like Dr. Strange and the main character is John Constantine. He's a magician, quote unquote, but he doesn't run around like Dr. Strange or Zatanna whispering words and magical lights appear. He's a magician in that he just knows demons and demonology ish and he knows how to make contracts and he knows about supernatural entities and so the really interesting thing about reading these comics is that it's almost like the show supernatural where they don't really have any magical powers most of the time they don't but it's just using pure wit and knowledge to outsmart and outthink demons and interact with the supernatural world in very interesting ways so it was just a, an incredible comic to read because the main character is by no means an ideal hero. Not at all. <laughs> you know, he has actually a huge thing against people in capes. He doesn't consider himself a hero. He actually has a lot of guilt. He's a real person. And what I love about Hellblazer is that they, uh, he's, I think, the only person, the only main protagonist in comics to actually age throughout the comics. Like he starts off at 35 and actually ages to about 50 or 60 and dies. Oh, damn. I didn't know that. Which is crazy. Yeah, it's uh, it's so he, he actually feels like a real person, which is incredible because, again, it's supernatural and something that doesn't feel that real. When you see all these different things that are subtly put in there, like his age, real world problems and everything, it makes the world feel more real. And so it's a much more invigorating read. Now, Sandman is a beautifully illustrated, beautifully written graphic novel it's it's honestly a masterpiece in storytelling because it's written by neil gaiman and you know he is just a master in his craft for telling mystical stories and really getting you into the world and making you feel like the world is surreal mm-hmm. and and magical but not in a magical way like narnia or harry potter but just like the dark things in your closet creep up on you in night. And it, that feeling that you had when you were a kid, you feel that reading his novels and reading those graphic novels. And Sandman is no exception, especially with all the illustrations that are there. So to sum it up in the question, and this is definitely a hard question, I would have to say Hellblazer is my personal favorite. But if I were trying to be objective, if I had to write a paper on it or something, I would say Sandman is the better graphic novel because Hellblazer is written by so many different authors. There are so many different writing styles and many stories that hit and some stories that do not. Like the last few issues, uh, the last few arcs of Hellblazer, I did not enjoy, uh, which is sad. You know, the many different art styles. So Hellblazer, because it goes on for a much longer time and it has all these different writers, has many different stories to explore and all that stuff. But uh, if you're looking for cohesive, solid storytelling, solid just story in general, The Sandman is, I mean, it's award-winning. You know, it's pretty sure one of the only comics that are mainstream to have been written by one person. Mm -hmm. I think the only other one is like, at least in Vertigo, is Preacher. So because of that, it has such a cohesive story. And again, it's beautifully, it's well, it's well, it reads like you're reading a myth is what it is. So, and Sandman, I guess I didn't really explain this, but Sandman centers around this deity the called Sandman. the Dream. Well, it, they call <laughs> him the Sandman later, I think. I don't yeah. really remember, but he is called the Dream. And he is one of uh, four, like older than God's, 
things of creation because there's death there's dream there's desire and there's another one and these are entities that exist in the world since the beginning of time and so this follows dream the one that has to do with people's dreams not just people but animals too so there are many different kinds of ways he interacts with the world and you see it across time across uh, like in modern times you see how he interacts with his uh, the other entities you see his own personal development as like it's it's weird to follow a, a literal god this isn't like thor or something this is someone this is like an aspect of the universe that we're following as a main protagonist which is hilarious to think about like imagine if marvel released a comic series that followed one of those i forget what it's called like the the celestials yeah the celestials but like one of those celestials or something it's it's uh, or one of those, I forget what they're called. They're like these beings that make up the universe mm-hmm. entirely. I forget what they're called. I'm not too big uh, into Marvel lore, but it's like following one of those people. And so it's just beautiful. And if you love myths or anything like that in culture, Sandman really get, gets into it because dreams exist across cultures. And to see how they... Because different cultures and different people perceive dream differently. So like in the comics, he will actually change his shape. There's one part in the comics where he meets Martian Manhunter. It's like early on in the volume, the first volume. He meets Martian Manhunter and Martian Manhunter sees him completely different than what we've seen in him so far in the comics because everyone's perception on on what dream is, Mm -hmm. is different. And so it's just it's just a lot of it's a really cool way to explore the uh, the idea of human experience and dreams and myths. And so if I were to write a paper and argue for a more objective subjectivity, I would say Sandman is the better comic. But my personal preference is Hellblazer just because of I read that to completion. I love the character. I think if you were comparing characters, John Constantine is is superior to that of dream um but as a story on its own or a graphic novel in its own right sandman is better all right yeah i i thought it was what i because i never finished hellblazer but what i thought was very interesting what i remember reading at one point was the whole story with john constantine's daughter which i thought was a really cool just like side story to do because that was just one thing i just did not like expect them to like go into at all like oh all right, yeah, you never think about this. You never think about if these like superheroes, especially a super quote unquote superhero like John Constantine would have like, you know, a child, how that would one make them be like, no, I don't want to have a child. But then also, fuck, what do I do now? Yeah, exactly. Because he's not he's not this paternal figure, you know, he's he's not Superman. <laughs> he's not Superman. And he feels very guilty for his like, he doesn't feel like he's a grown-up or anything like that he feels like his life is in shambles and he's not able to take care of anybody and that he betrays his friends and he does he he does use them you know so it's, it tackles so many real things and makes the character seem more entertaining to read because he's not like this goody two-shoes or anything he's just a person with many many faults you know all right so would you say that like that things like vertigo and graphic novels and those things they appeal to you more because they they feel a little bit one a little bit more darker but then also a little bit more realistic story-wise 
Yeah, actually, I, I would definitely say that I tend to, to find that I enjoy Vertigo comics way more than than regular DC comics, just because DC comics tend to be, you know, like watching on a Marvel movie nowadays. It's like they tend to stick to the same formula and play it safe and don't really risk much. But Vertigo didn't have any like constraints as far as I can tell. Like there's dark, gritty, compelling stories that tackle modern day and and current issues that are hard to talk about or address in comics or tv i mean like hellblazer went into like the kkk and nazis and uh the punk era of or the skinhead era in britain i mean it's it's so many things that they they confront there's several issues that actually just accuse prime ministers and high government officials of being people who just go underground and hire prostitutes and like do some really abhorrent things that you know maybe it does happen i wouldn't be surprised i don't really want to go into too too much detail because it's kind of gross but yeah well i think that's just like an interesting thing even with that of like the power of like fiction in general but media in general of like how they use it to like criticize culture in that way on the sly or not on the sly in some cases, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. They really went ham on Margaret Thatcher and Hellblazer. (laughs) They, they really did. And then what they canceled Vertigo some time ago, like mid two thousands, but they, uh, they recently brought back a graphic novel imprint in the style of Vertigo called DC black label. And I actually highly recommend that because it's the same thing as Vertigo. And they actually revived Hellblazer. And I will say the first two issues of Hellblazer in the new DC Black Label feel like Hellblazer. Mm-hmm. And it's it's good. All right, all right. I forgot what my other question what other questions were. Oh, because we have went on that whole topic. Um, one thing that <laughs> I always had, because I joked about this with you on on Hardcode Curiosity, but do you perhaps know, because I haven't really looked this up, but what is really the difference between like comics and graphic? Like, is it really just that the series of toneness is the difference between them or is it like, it's just how it's made? What do you think the difference between comics and graphic novels are? That's such a good question because I'm going to be pulling completely out of my ass here, but... Oh, this uh, is a I'm, completely pull out of your ass type of show. This is this yeah. is this is pure armchair <laughs> armchair topic, topic conversations. <laughs> Excellent. I'm glad. I'm glad. So that's my that's my realm of expertise to to just pull things out of my ass. It's how I was raised. Let's see. So I personally perceive the difference between a comic and a graphic novel to be that of the subject material mm-hmm. and the length. So I, I'm pretty sure, just going back to when Vertigo was made, remember reading somewhere, and I could be completely wrong, so don't quote me on this, but that back in like the 80s or the 90s, there was a law passed that said comics couldn't, because they were addressed to kids, couldn't contain graphic imagery or dark, mature content. And so DC Comics decided that, okay, fine, we won't print them as comics, but we'll call them something else. We'll call them graphic novels. And they'll be rated mature, and they'll be... They're specifically for people rate like age 17 and up. So they're not comics, they're graphic novels. And I think that's where the term kind of arose from. Mm-hmm. It was the idea that these are not just comics, but a novel in graphic form that 
is for mature readers because it has mature topics and graphic imagery and such and such. And so Vertigo was created to kind of be that collective for all those different kinds of graphic novels. And then we get stuff like 300, which is a graphic novel and Sin City, which are, which is another great graphic novel. And I think even though they're released as issues, like comics are some of the like 300 and Sin City are collected in in novel form so i think that graphic novels tend to be collected more as novels because they can have because they're for mature readers they can their story arcs can persist through more than just a few issues they can be like hundreds or 200 pages worth of material that's in a cohesive story arc or storyline much like a novel a good example of this is watchmen written by alan uh, i think alan moore Moore. yeah which is a really Hard, like great read very confusing sometimes but is it's a great graphic novel representation because it it's graphic it's basically its own novel and it tackles so many dark topics i mean there there's the movie and the show that are both fantastic that kind of address those same dark themes of racism and what is it uh nationalism and everything uh, the dangers of like the dangers of nuclear war i mean this was written during the cold war so it addresses like nuclear armament specifically and so watchman is also a graphic novel published under vertigo so this is another reason why i just love vertigo vertigo has like sandman hellblazer preacher watchman swamp thing all these yeah like, i'm trying amazing. to do they really even have any like i don't really know of any big marvel or anyone else really who makes graphic novels like that you know i don't know um the only one i can think of is like dark horse comics but i don't know if they're part of marvel i don't think they are i think they're their own thing i thought they were i'm pretty sure maybe yeah they're their own thing but there's there's so many others like image is also one of those but see let's actually just look it up really quick i'm actually curious marvel comics has its own vertigo i don't know something like that (laughs) equivalent equivalent well, they have a character called Vertigo. Oh, um, well, I mean, that's they steal characters from each other all the time and names and all those yeah. things. I guess they just publish them as Marvel graphic novels and like just make them mature or something. I don't know if they have a different kind of line of comic publishing for that. But I mean, Marvel does have its dark storylines like Civil Marvel Wars, Marvel's Civil War. Mm-hmm. The one that was released in like the 90s, that one starts off dark. That one starts off with like a nuclear explosion annihilating an elementary school. And it's dark. It's really gritty. And it's a good, it's a great story that tackles the idea of like, well, in this world of superheroes and stuff goes bad, like, will they be held accountable? How will they be held accountable? You know? Mm-hmm. So I thought that was like a really interesting story. Uh and something I actually wanted to read and read, and it's great and highly recommended, and ten times better than the movie was because the movie didn't really do anything. I'll be honest. Yeah, I I definitely think that like so. This is one thing that has been on my mind even since like college, and I even wrote about it in a paper a while back. Was basically like you know we're basically hitting this like quote unquote peak of like superhero movies, especially like what was going on in the world like when this was being recorded quarantines have quote-unquote been lifted but it's like eh. yeah it's like yeah. we're at very high risk of a second wave so we yeah. don't really so so i could see how that wall just kill the movie theater <laughs> the movie theater industry is just a whole and just send everything <laughs> to streaming but 
that's one thing that I always thought thought was very interesting was like, oh, we they we take certain things like so just like a whole other idea, which at some point I will obviously talk with everyone about this, but just like the transmedia aspects of certain stories. And like, for example, you bring you brought a preacher. Preacher's a great graphic novel that translated very well to sh- TV shows. And I think there's a lot mm-hmm. of graphic novels, and I think graphic novels in particular would do very well as TV shows because of, as you pointed out, the how much it has to cover, their what the what it's about. Um, since it's mm-hmm. a darker tone topic, it's a little bit easier for TV shows yeah. to get away with that. I think it's important too because even though we say it's darker, it's not like the topics themselves are super dark. I mean, some of them are, but it just feels more real because it's it, reality is darker than comics. You know, that's just that's just the way it is. Right, reality is real. And so compelling television is, you know, almost real television. Right. And so, like, I think that's that the success of those type of things will kind of move us from, like, this weird time where we had, like, this little bit of, like, we had the superhero rise. We had, like, this love of superheroes. Then we have, like, this peak of, like, as you point out, Civil War was just really a big stunt. was really just a big, like, all this stuff, like, all the big ones are really just big, like, yo, big event. Big thing, big yeah. thing. Superhero matchup parties. Right. And it's like, how much money can we make off of this really kind of thing? And it's like, okay, well, you if you oversaturate your market and then you do it to a point where it's like so like so anti what it is and you're not even doing it to the point of like like things like Logan and those type of things. Those are really cool and Deadpool because mm-hmm. it was the opposite of that. That's that's true. That's it's like an antithesis of that, and so people are more. Is it that those movies are really good? Because I think they are. But is it that they are also perceived so well because they're in almost opposition to what we've been fed so much? You know. Right, and that's one thing that I always think about whenever people talk like they're like, "Oh, when you go back and watch these movies, some movies don't hold up." I think the reason it doesn't hold up is because of everything that was going on. Like during the time, the movie was great. You know. Yeah. But. It was a fun ride at the time. Yeah. Right. And it, it worked for the context of it. But I feel like we're going to go back and look at some of these movies and we're going to feel like how we do about like Avatar with the, oh, this movie made tons of money. There's lots of CG effects. This movie was crap. Yeah. Avatar. I thought you were talking about Avatar last episode, but yeah. Oh, that one, too, that one too. That movie was that crap. Movie, that movie was crap. It did not do the show justice. The show is great, but I'm talking about the show. Like, I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm ready to talk about that show. The show is great. But yeah, James Cameron's Avatar is just Pocahontas with computer effects. <laughs> yeah. Just straight up. It's the same story. Yes. No, like that, that, that we're just going to go back and look at and look at this and be like, this is, this is, we're going to look at certain, certain Marvel movies and be like, this was not a good movie.